What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. If it's your first time coming to hang out, let me get you up to speed and tell you what's going to go on down today. In the Bud section, you are a fellow traveler of the green. My guest and I today are going to have some fun chit-chat about that. In the Bros section... This one's going to be very long. Uh, you already called it off mic about this podcast my guest did about it. It's going to be very different. So my guest today, by far out of everybody, knows me the longest. And we haven't talked in a while, so we're going to have a lot of fun catching up to do. And in the superhero section, we got a fun twist. It's not the standard of what we go over here at Buds Bros and Superheroes. But we're going to do Mystery Men. A movie from 1999. It is based off a comic, but the more I read about the comic and the more I remember the movie, I was like, this has nothing to do with one of those. Some names kind of crossed over, but we're not going to go into that. So if you're deep diving into that comic, a flaming carrot head, that's nope, we're not playing that today. But we will be talking about Mystery Men. Yeah, you're looking at me like flaming carrot head. Yeah, apparently that's what it all centered around. And only the shoveler and one other one would be recognized it was all crazy shit bananas as i was going through trying to set up the episode and that's when i was like fuck this we're only going to talk about the movie <laughs> let me introduce my guest today like i said out of everybody he's known me the longest uh you knew me before i really solidly hooked into liking buds or superheroes but we were always bros and shit like that you know sure. we're sure. talking about it what's what is that the sixth grade 2000 Fifth grade fifth grade. grade 2000 yeah. though right yeah 2000 i would say I, yeah i think so yeah we've known each other for 20 years going <laughs> on 20 years now please welcome roy lazarowitz hey man hey. <laughs> Dude, this is crazy i know i know this 20 is, this is wild. years i uh it's funny because like i guess i have a couple other like people uh, that i've known for close to that amount of time but i don't remember them and the things we've done as friends like i remember the things that we've done as friends and like how we met and like how our our friendship kind of grew and it's funny to say that too because like you're pretty much like 10 11 years old and talking about like growing a friendship as a 10 or 11 year old is like very silly because you're kids and i think we became buddies just because we lived down the street from one another and my parents were overprotective and they were like yeah you can walk up the street sure that's no problem i don't have to give you a ride somewhere yeah i'll just go right up the street no problem yeah it's funny it's really funny same thing what was it maybe four blocks tops would yeah. be five then that's i really don't even think it was that it was like a higher like, house and then the mortuary and then the church and then my house yeah i think it was only four fucking blocks yeah, it's literally out of like some type of old fairy tale that like you cross the firehouse and then the mortuary and then the church to get to your friend's house. Like there's nothing dangerous about that walk at all. So my parents were very into, yeah, go see Nick. No problem. Go for it. And then if you were to take the boulevard, what? It was like pizza shop, bank. Right. Deli. Hairdresser deli. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. basically like the Flintstones of New Jersey. The background is just those four things over and over. Pizza shop, hair shop, deli, bank. Yeah. Pizza shop. Especially yeah. Kenilworth. Especially Kenilworth. Shout out so... to K-Town. Wow. Yeah. I, um, yeah, we can, I have a lot of thoughts about Kenilworth and I, in retrospect, like looking back on it, I'm very grateful for that time because of the time that we got to spend together and stuff. But it's kind of a, you know, kind of a one-horse town, really small, kind of a lot of um, 
a lot of small minded thinking, I guess, but we don't, you know, we don't have to be negative here. We can, we can move on from that. But it was interesting to, to like leave there and kind of get that other perspective on life and then look back at like growing up in Kenilworth and being like, not even like a full fledged teenager, being like a middle schooler in Kenilworth and first discovering like right and wrong in the world and like how that's skewed from Kenilworth and like what's okay in these like small towns and stuff. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm already going wild. Reel me in, Nick. Reel me in. What we're actually going to do, so if I was talking about in the beginning, if you're a first-time listener, Buds Frozen Superheroes is our name. We're going to talk about Buds now, which is the Travelers of the Green. I myself have been a long-time Traveler of the Green. You know, if I've known you for 20 years now, that was sixth grade. It's got to be for at least 15 years that I've been smoking. Wow. 11th grade, does that sound right? Junior year to start dabbling around. I wouldn't say I was a and baker at the time or an everyday, but I feel like I look back at junior year might have been the first time where I tried the devil's lettuce. <laughs> and it's funny that you bring that up. And I've been saving this story because I don't know if you remember this. The first time I ever got stoned was with you. Do you remember this? You'll have to give me a little bit more. I don't remember a lot of it, but I have very specific like parts that I remember. I guess it was probably 2011, 2012. So I was over 20 at this point. Because all throughout high school, never smoked, never drank, never smoked. The only thing I ever did, again, was with you when we would like sneak black and mild and stuff because we thought we were, you know, tough. And, um, but I, I think around 2012, I, was, I guess I was 22. I was about to be 22. I felt like it was the first time that I was starting to be like, no, no, no. I want to know what weed is. Like, I want to kind of understand this. And I was scared of it because I was that kid in, in health where it's like, drugs will kill you. I was like, you're right. Drugs will kill me. I was scared. But I knew if I wanted to do it, I had to do it with someone who, you know, someplace I felt safe, someplace I felt comfortable with someone who I trusted, obviously you, not only because you're my best friend, but also because you were a uh, card carrying member of the tribe of green at that point. And I, we needed to find a safe place for me to do it. You know, no, nothing crazy is going to happen. Obviously, your parents' basement, that's the place to go. So we smoke. And I think it was in some pipe device that you had at the time. And you're obviously blitzed, which is fair. And you crank back the recliner. We put on George of the Jungle and you fall asleep. And I'm sitting there. The lights are off now. And we're just watching George of the Jungle. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of, am I feeling this? I don't know if I'm feeling this. Maybe I'm feeling this. Oh, maybe a little bit. And there's the, he, George flies into that tree the first time. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm stoned. I'm stoned. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. This is really cool. And then there's one point, I guess, where he grabs what he thinks is a vine and he's swinging on it. And then it turns up and it's a snake's face and it's a close up of a snake's face. And it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and I was like, Nick, Nick. And you were passed out. And I was like, I can't be alone in this. What do I do? And I texted my friend Cameron and uh, I texted him and I was like, I just saw a snake on television. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. <laughs> what a weird poll because, you know, as we were going to more talk about in the bros part of you being someone who taught me more about movies. Like I'd say I always love popcorn films, but you kind of brought me into like, oh, look for this and watch this and blah, blah, blah. But we got high and we were like, George of the Jungle, <laughs> Brendan Hell Fraser yeah. at his finest. And I guess looking back on it, yeah, if it did the funniest, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. But like you would think that would go knowing us again, how deep we could pull into random, funny, weird shit. 
we went Georgia the Jungle. It's not. Yeah, I'm sorry to say that I wish that I had put a, a visual memory bookmark in there to remember that because unfortunately, maybe I did get so stoned and passed out that I forgot it. Like I'm not keeping any of that inside. I can't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I don't blame you. I think it was it was otherwise very uneventful. It was just this one specific. I, if it wasn't for that George of the Jungle moment, I'm not sure I would totally remember it. Really strange movie. Leslie Mann is also in that. And then that asshole who was like, he made up like, oh, the white gorilla attacked me. And he ripped his own sleeve and stuff. Yeah. What's that fucker's name? Thomas Hayden Church, who You're was amazing. in Spider-Man 3. He was the Sandman or something. Dude, you're like three times amazing. Not only did you nail the name, but then you gave me a reference to sit here and go, he is the Sandman. So my wife, who is off screen but is listening, she's somebody who really had to get to learn to talk to me like we all do with each other. But having to learn to but like I'm somebody who whips names and this guy did this and this guy did that. And now for her to see my oldest friend do it with me, she had a smile because in my opinion, she just saw 20 years worth of friendship of just like, that's the game we play all the time. Like, that's why I'm good because Roy is like, that's how I started doing that and stuff like that. Do you remember standing outside Miss V's room and you used to play like separation of eight degrees? Like I'd give you two actors and I'd be like, connect them. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I have this weird memory too of me asking your dad to do that too. We were standing out in front of your house and I was like, I can connect any two actors. Give me two actors. And he got me. Like, first one, he stumped me. And I was like, fine. Well, yeah, because he probably was like, Humphrey Bogart and Ricky Martin. <laughs> and it's like, well, Ricky Martin's kind of a singer. He's like, I bet he did a cameo. And you're like, fuck you. Why would you do this to me? I'm a kid. You're supposed to build me up. You're supposed yeah. to give me a fucking easy one. <laughs> I, I wish I, your dad, I, I, this is another thing, like looking back on it. Your dad is like one of the funniest people I've ever met. And I was just too young to ever recognize how fucking funny he was. <laughs> he's such a dry, like he's such a dry, quick sense of humor. And so much of it went over my head growing up. And uh, I just tell your dad that I think he's the man. And I think he's so funny. And I'll also never forget going to see him skanking on top of a fucking storage container outside of, uh, I guess it was the Stone Pony in Asbury Park on my 16th birthday. He will be listening, if I'm not mistaken, out of our handful. I'm going to be generous. Out of our handful of listeners, I do know that my parents are one of them. Love so that. as now I call him now, Big Game James. He will be listening to that. Oh. He'll hear the shout out. And I'm sure he'd he love to talk that to you as well. <laughs> I kind of keep going with this because we are going to just head right into the bros as much as we can and do more of what we're doing now. It's going to be a heavy centric nostalgia for us kind of going through. But I just want to talk about what I'm smoking on. Once again, I'm sticking with that Franklin Lobs. I go to a dispensary around here and they sell on Fridays. They'll give you like a whole half an ounce for uh, an amount that I don't know. <laughs> it's like under 200. This isn't an ad, so they can't be mad at me for sure. fucking it up. But on Mondays, they also do mini Mondays, which is great. And they'll give you an eighth for $10 off. But it's small buds. And Franklin Labs, which is like my favorite brand, it's my, if you know, if we're talking about this in fast food terms, it's my McDonald's. It's the one that I always go to and it never gets old and tired. And of that McDonald's, the Big Mac is Jet Fuel. Dude, this fucking bud, it's a hardcore sativa. It just, it's, it's the word that I use, it's nail driving. You know, I smoke a little bit of it and all of a sudden I'm like, and especially if you can't tell, super chatty. I'm a chatty yeah. person. I get high and on this and I'm just super duper chatty that's that's so funny and so wonderful because i um 
I've been to, I traveled to Denver for a week to, to just see Denver and check it out. And obviously you got to go to a weed store, got to check it out, you know? And, um, I didn't like, everybody was throwing all these names at me. You know, I, I've seen half baked. I know that there's names for weed. I, I get it. But, you know, in Austin, when I first started like smoking, um, whenever on a consistent basis, I guess there was no legal anything. Right. So it was still like 10 bucks, 30 bucks, 60 bucks, whatever it is. And you get what you get. And, um, so all of these titles and all these things were really overwhelming to me. So I was very much like, I want something that's going to make me feel like this. I want something that's going to make me do this, you know? So it's funny to hear all these titles, but then, and hearing the titles, having it go over my head, but then hearing you be like, yeah, it makes me chatty. It makes me feel bad. I'm like, yeah, that's the one I want. Give me the chatty one. I'm interested in that. <laughs> if you ever get your card or the next time you're in a legal state, definitely talk to the bud tenders because that's what I find great about it. They take away all of the anxiety of ordering because sometimes and again, I'm going to go back to McDonald's. Like if you want your shit a specific way, do you ever get that weird anxiety of going up there and not wanting to order it the way you want? Because I'd rather just not cause the anxiety like I'll just get the burger and take the fucking tomato off myself or some shit like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially like local, like sandwich places and stuff. Like, I don't want to hassle you just like, I'll take what you can give me and then I'll just fix it later. Don't worry about it. If you ever feel that way at a dispensary, they highly discourage you. They go, what else can I do for you? How else can I help you? You know, like this is your time. And sometimes, and I'm not going to lie, you're in line and you see those people who are taking full advantage of it because they're curious. A lot of the times they're older. And I mean that in like silver hair, like really, you know, it's there's there's no distinction of saying we're on the back nine. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't want to get paranoid and I don't want to get freaked. And meanwhile, I placed a order. I called them. I told them. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm here to pick up my weed. I'm here to pick up <laughs> weed. And meanwhile, they're going. And I feel for them. But at the same time, I'd realize that if that was my parents or if it was my grandparents or my aunts and uncles or whoever it is that I love who's nervous or frantic about it has that time. And I've never so far, knock on wood, experienced the place that's like – what do you want? You don't know what you yeah. want? Get back to the fucking line and start over when you know. Don't come back here unless you tell me. It's like a yeah. Duncan line when you don't know what you want. And you're like, can I get can I get a large and a four, but one less? And I can't read this person's handwriting, but they want something with mocha. Do you know what they're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I went to a, a weed store in L.A., and it was kind of like that. It was like kind of the seedier part of Los Angeles. And it was a Friday night. It was like 9 or 10 o'clock, and uh, it was busy. And... It wasn't the most pleasant of experiences. That's the only time I haven't had a pleasant experience at a weed store. All the other ones have been really like nice and helpful and like pleasant. Cause it's like, you're just talking about weed. Why are you mad? Like we're having a good time. And as you could tell by the show, I put an entire section in it because of how much fun it is to talk about yeah. all the time. And I very much enjoy it. I'm liking it out here. Hopefully, I was think we were saying off mic in Pennsylvania as one of the tri-state that both New Jersey and New York have 100% gone to recreational is, yeah. is A-OK. Let's fire that up. So I'm hoping Governor Wolf is all like, all right, now yeah. I can't be the asshole who started it. I'm the, I'm the last one, if anything. But I'm sure he's still going to wait for proof of concept because something I just learned is that New Jersey said, OK, do it. But it's not like people just open their doors like I have weed. Come here. <laughs> it's going to take a while to get like the licenses and open places and get proof of concept. And let's see the numbers. So if I had to guess, he's going to wait on that because I don't think, to my knowledge, there's been any problems with what we have medically, you know? 
It's oh, not yeah. that hard to get the card. So if you want the card, you know, I'm not saying it's basically recreational, but the but time feels in, that way. Yeah. Yeah. In Boston, I had a friend who had a weed doctor. He gave me the number of the weed doctor, but I moved instead of going to the weed doctor. And he was like, how you doing? And I was like, hey, my anxiety has been bad recently. He was like, you should get a weed card. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you just walk in. You say you've had anxiety. They'll just write it up, give it to you and send you on your way. You don't have to tell them anything else. I was like, that's it? What if I'm lying? He's like, then you're lying. Who cares? <laughs> there you go. You know, and I was like, all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I hear it's really, it's like, it's like it is in the movies. You know, like when you're trying to get like a weed card in a movie and he's like, oh, my leg hurts. And they're like, sure, here you go. But it's really that easy in real life, apparently. Did you watch Entourage? Sure. Yeah. This, we just watched it. We're going through because HBO Max has everything and yeah, just going yeah. back through. And it was the same one, like almost exactly what you said, like in the movies of Johnny Chase and sitting there with Turtle. And it's like, what are you claiming? It's like nerve damage due to a skateboard. What about you? <laughs> same thing. But I was in a car accident. <laughs> and then Johnny's, you know, he's got to be the stupid one. And he said something about I think he tried to claim something that's a chronic lung and but up, up, but up, but you know, it's funny. Right, of course. Good time in the bud section, but we are going to close on out of there and head into the bros section. 21 years of being friends, man. And 21 years of kind of being nerdy together. And we're going to talk about that, talk about being nerdy in our own respects and just kind of deep dive and catch up and see what happens here in the bros section. So Roy, one of the things I wanted to talk about here, because in my opinion, everyone, and myself included, kind of rewrite the past. You remember things differently. You don't have as perfect of a vision as you always say you do, right? So I'd want to ask as an outside observer, have I always liked comic book stuff since you've known me? Yes. I'm going to go ahead and say yes to that. I don't know... It, it took me by surprise. Let me put it that way. It took me by surprise when I discovered, I don't know if that's the right word, became something that you loved as much as you did, if that makes sense. Like, I always knew you liked superhero movies, right? Like, let's say that. Like, And I always knew that, like, my oldest brother, Matt, uh, loved comics. And anytime you would come to my house, you'd, like, if Matt's like, comics were lying out or there was some old stuff, you'd always flip through it and look at it and always into it. But it was when you got that Hellboy tattoo that I was like, oh, this guy really loves comics. (laughs) (laughs) And that was also like, because that was maybe sophomore year, junior year of high school, like maybe Casey had one tattoo. Was that after high school? Uh, Right on the cusp. It must have been like if senior year summer, the summer of graduating, I think it was. Yeah. Because I know the octopus I got in high school. Was that first? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Because I remember you getting a tattoo before everybody else did. And I remember being, well, I, I think maybe Casey had a tattoo. But like, you were early, you were an early adopter. And we were all like, that's fucking badass. This guy's got this tattoo. And then your next, then your second tattoo had to have been Hellboy then. Yes. Yeah, and I was just like, all right, we're going this route. Like, this guy's real serious about this shit. Okay, that's great. That's great. That's when I really, that's when it kind of locked in. And I think I probably had a conversation with Adriana at some point, I guess for the listeners who aren't familiar, Adriana is almost like the the de facto third musketeer to our trio and being like, do you remember that this guy loves comics this much? And Adriana's like, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) He just got practically a half a sleeve of a Hellboy. Like, I guess he likes comics. 
I guess he's real serious about this Hellboy shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's, funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I remember. I think, like, man, I, I really do believe that prior to you planting your comic book flag with that Hellboy tattoo, I think, yeah, I think you loved it, but I also think you were similar to all of us, discovering different things that you loved and trying different things, whether it was ska music or punk rock or Kevin Smith or you know different movies here and there or whatever it is like we're all trying and dabbling in different things that we love and just seeing if something sticks like as a teenager and you know for me it was comedy or it was you know pro wrestling or baseball or whatever and for you it was comics you know so yeah i i I remember it always existing but i remember what i remember more that you loved was was movies i remember you loving movies more than anything else and I remember you having, you were the first person I knew, and I took, I took it on after you did it, who had like a CD binder full of DVDs. And I was like, this is so fucking cool. You just flip through here. Everything's right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, nothing about it now. <laughs> it's all right <laughs> yeah. here. This is great. It's all right. You know, I remember that. I remember always being like, if there was ever a silly movie that I wanted to see that I had like stuck my nose up at, because that was the thing that, you were so good at with me because I came in, I have two older brothers, right? And Mike is a big film guy. And my dad was a, like a big film guy. He did acting stuff when he was younger and like managed a video store. So like I was always around movies and I always wanted to see all of the like highfalutin films. You know, when I was 12, I was like, I want to see Taxi Driver, Pulp Fiction, you know, instead of being like Road Trip sounds cool. I want to see that, you know? <laughs> So I would always like show up and be in your like stratosphere and be like, Nick, you have to see like Welcome to the Dollhouse and Election. And you would be like, you have to watch American Pie. And I would be like, yeah, you're right. I do. We should watch that. (laughs) And And now in those binders, I have American Pie and Election still. And I tell people like, hey, we should watch these. My wife, again, is listening, is like, I've seen both of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that, that was what I loved. It's like a weird thing. But like growing up, right, like Adriana became like a really good friend of ours collectively, like 16, 17, second half of high school. Well, actually, high school was when we really like the three of us became buddies. But like before high school, middle school, like we were close. It was us. And I really felt like when I was around you, I could be a kid as much as whatever I was, this weird combination of like always being the youngest person in the room with two older brothers and my parents. And I, I just always gravitated towards adults. Like I remember going to this is such a specific memory and uh, it's a good thing your parents are listening because they'll understand this. I remember going to Christian 12th birthday party and I remember you sat with me for most of it, but I sat with the parents for a majority of the party and was just like talking about movies with like Richie dad and Christian's mom. And you were sitting with me and you were talking about movies too. And like, but when we were together, we would I would like force all of these like artsy fartsy movies on you but I would also you would be like yeah but let's watch this movie where this girl shows her tits because that's really cool because we're 12 you know and it's nice that you say that in the way that you say it because kind of on the flip side is I liked movies you liked films as well so for you to say that when you were around me I got to be a kid almost that's great because when I was around you I always felt so adult (laughs) <laughs> and I mean that. I swear I'd be like, oh, we're watching this. This isn't black and white. Isn't that something? And yeah. you were also the first person to ever be like, you got a camera? You want to go make something? 
and be like, yes, that sounds fun. And then you were the person who introduced me to like, look at these people who are making funny skits and hurting themselves and showed me CKY and stuff like that. And even though that was childish in terms of let's throw each other into bushes, it was really adult to be like, let's film it and edit it and see how it comes out as well. Like I thought that was always the best and it didn't matter what we were filming or how stupid it was. It was like, we're making something like that's cooler than anything you're fucking doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to something that that whole silliness of Anthony throwing me in a bush or like me throwing you into whatever it was, in a way, it brought us closer together too. like the reason why I keep going back to jackass as a 30 year old is because I, I yes, it's funny to watch people get hurt sometimes, but it's funnier to watch people who love each other hurt each other, which sounds really weird out of context but it it's just like it's how they bond and it's how they get closer they love each other so much and they're just so committed to like putting this thing together and making it as good as they possibly can make it and not that we were so committed to making this great product to throw each other in bushes but doing these things and having these experiences together really kind of bonded us together i mean all of those times those summer days especially like later on when i moved to maplewood and no longer lived down the street from you so when i was getting a ride to your house I was at your house. Like I was staying there, you know? So we would just have these days where we would just like walk around the boulevard and I'd have like seven bucks in my pocket. And it's like, well, it's enough for a Dunkin' Donuts bagel and like a fucking root beer, you know? And like those, those experiences were so important to me. And I think too, something that speaking about or speaking of what you had mentioned about feeling adult when I was around, which is such a silly thing. Um, do you remember, gosh, we were probably 12. I don't know. This was 13 whatever we were sitting in hershey's and we were talking about god and like religion and life and whether i think it was whether god is real or not which is like i'm 13 <laughs> what and uh a little a girl turned around i would say a little girl she was maybe three or four years younger than us you know she turned around and she stuck her head over the booth and she was like can you guys stop talking about this it's really sad it's no that part i forgot what i remember of that story is definitely so as we were talking about with the boulevard in our street which was washington avenue created what was in both of our parents opinions a predestined amount of space away from both houses of which you could stay safely so you could walk the four blocks come up michigan go down the boulevard come up Whatever Harding was on, what was that street like right around the corner? It doesn't yeah. doesn't matter, but then walk down and just create this endless loop. And I do remember that night doing that loop a hundred times, talking about, yeah, just theological stuff. And I think maybe even it was sparked because we had watched Dogma. Yeah, and that's we probably. We had gone into that. But I do remember that night thinking, like, that's a conversation. Like, that's cool. Like, that's a conversation I'll always remember. And I'm, I think I'm always going to know this guy. But yeah. no, I don't remember. That's sad. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, the I I feel like a 10-year-old girl being like, "Hey, can you not talk about that? That's sad." is like a perfect representation of like so many people who still live in Kenilworth, you know. It's kind of like keep your head buried in the sand and like keep living your life. Not that there's anything wrong or I have anything against anybody who's still living there. Adriana's parents are still there. They're doing their thing, you know. I don't know if anybody else is still there. You know, it's funny, um, this is going to kind of maybe spin us back into a different direction, but this, you made me think of this the other day. What's so funny is we've, and this is on me, you know, I, I feel responsible for not having seen you in as many years as I have, but I always knew 
if you ever texted me or if I ever texted you and it was just some line from a movie that we loved when we were younger, we'd always get it, you know, it would always click. And you sending me a message, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, three or four weeks ago uh, with double burger. Mm. <laughs> uh, Chuck, I had a double burger. Um, I feel like Goodwill Hunting was a good example of a movie that we saw when we were younger, where it was like either you brought it to me. That was, I think, a movie where I brought to you and you were like, yeah, I already know that movie. I've seen that movie. Like my parents love that. Movie. No, you, I brought that, that to you. you. Oh, yeah. And I, that's something I watch. If I don't watch it once a month, that's stretching it. Yeah, no, that was another defining one of like, I feel like an adult because like the, like you said, at that age, everybody around me, especially for being a boy, I guess, I don't know if it's the same, but like, does it have tits in it? Like, let's watch yeah. America Baez and Animal House and like, you know, the right. 80s titties genre at that point meant everything because you're still trying to figure out the fuck what is going is. around. Because yeah, kind of talking sure. about our upbringing as well is like Kenworth was in a town with like sex ed being... Like, oh, this is really going to teach you some stuff. They were more like the mean girls of like, don't have sex. Don't mm-hmm. have sex this way. Don't have sex to do anything. Take some rubbers. Shut the fuck up. You know, now I'm yeah. going to tell you, I, I'm not going to talk about sex, but I am going to tell you about doing heroin and the signs of a heroin addict. Like, I remember being in the eighth grade and remember, I'm not going to say his name, but I will remember that son of a oh bit. Oh, my God. He had toucan, right? Yes, very small man. Now that I remember him as a boy, I was like, hey, you weren't that tall, were you? I was just a little boy. Yeah. But he was explaining about how to heat up your spoon in order to cook down the heroin. And later in life, maybe two, one year down the road, a little bit, I saw Rent for the first time, the Broadway musical, where there's a candle song. It's all about lighting a candle. And my sister at the time was like, what is that? And I was like, she needs a flame source small enough to cook her, (laughs) to cook her heroin on a spoon. (laughs) And I was like 12 or 13. And my mom was like, the fuck? What the, like, I know we're listening to this, but I should have like, I, well, I thought it was going, what the fuck is going on? I was like, oh yeah, taught us how to shoot up, but like, not in life. And yeah. yeah, so they teach you all about that, but not about sex. So yeah, titty movies at the time, but no, you were like, dude, this is Goodwill Hunting, and like, you know, that scene where Robin Williams is hugging him, and he's like, it's not your fault, and he's yeah. getting angry, or even when he's yelling at Skyler, like, you don't want to know that shit, you know that the fucker put out. Right. This isn't from Jump of the Fence. The motherfucker stabbed me. No, no, I didn't want to know that. And she's all fucking sad and shit. I remember sitting there watching you, watching this with you, like, dude, this is a film. Like, I'm, I, I yeah, again, not to. You are the reason that I look at the way that I look at things. Well, what's fun, I brought that up because, you know, we always trade lines for movies and stuff. And I have this very specific memory. This is like another example of something that is really stuck in my brain. And um, I hope it's okay we go down this route. I don't remember her name, to be fair. But you dated a girl in high school. And, uh, maybe it starts with a C. I don't know. And um, she had a friend and I dated the friend. And you guys... <laughs> you guys split for like a period of time and then got back together and I guess like the four of us had gotten together and we were walking around Kenilworth and I don't know why we reversed roles but like I went to talk to her and you went to talk to this other girl and I said something along the lines of like so you guys are back together huh and she was like yeah yeah and I was like good if you break his heart I'll fucking kill you <laughs> and, and, and then I walked away and she was upset that I had said that to her. But in my head, all I was doing was that scene in Goodwill Hunting with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, where Affleck's like, if you're still here in 30 years, I'll fucking kill you. Uh-huh. 
that's all I was doing. And I was like, oh, so she doesn't think. But she, you came up to me like, she thinks you're going to fucking kill her. And I was like, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a line from a thing. I mean, I'm protective of you, yes, but you know so yeah that's well, uh, your old girls just don't get that goodwill yeah. hunting humor the way they used to i guess <laughs> i guess not i really thought they'd get it <laughs> yeah that was very early ninth grade dude so we're talking 2004 fall yeah. like yeah yeah i definitely yeah. remember it being fall i loved kenilworth in the fall i loved walking around i loved that playground that i it was i don't know it was somewhere um Oh, yeah, I always loved like breezy nights. I, I have very fond memories of like us wearing suit jackets and walking the boulevard and like fall nights and like not really having any plans, not really knowing, but we were always going to run into somebody and we were always going to get into some weird nonsense and somebody was always going to fall down and get hurt, <laughs> you know. That was the fun about it, you know, as much as we could talk and shit talk it, there was, in my opinion, a great amount of safety of once we were able to leave said donut of going up and down between our houses, you know, all of Kenilworth in general, you could say to your kids, where are you going? Oh, we're going to go walk blank. And it was fine. So like you were talking about on this adventure of, oh, us two are hanging out. There was 10 or 12 other us twos where then the two of us would meet two others. And now we were four. And then the us four would see like a quote unquote rival four of like, oh, those are the cool kids. Like, I bet what whatever they're doing must be really cool. And they were just doing the same shit we were doing on the other side of the fucking road. Of just like, I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> it's, exactly. But, and then of yeah. course, like those those kids were the kids that we would end up becoming friends with later on. I mean, it was Anthony, it was Donich, like it was Casey, it was those people, it was Furcon, you know. <laughs> and that's the, it's the, what I learned with you and is is so valuable is that. Nobody's actually cool. Everybody's just a person, you know, by meeting these people and like realizing like, oh, that's just a big doof in like a nice way. You know, like, why am I intimidated by any of these people? Like, everybody's just a normal, nice person. That's nice that you say that, because I was trying to explain that, too. You know, I was talking about our past and stuff like that. And during the later years of high school and into college, we were into bands and being in bands and trying to look and feel cool and stuff like that. And then now as an adult, I'm just like trying to not try to care and care is the weirdest not caring, caring of caring. And then you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But the more I thought about how much I tried to not give a shit about giving a shit, the more as an adult, I'm just like, you fucking fool. Nobody was everybody was doing that. You could have ruled them all just by having the I don't I really honestly don't give a shit. But I did, you know, our. Are my pants also the cool pants or do they have enough tears and let's put patches and dye my hair and I got to make sure people know I'm edgy. But deep down this whole time, I'm just like, I wonder if Princess Leia and Luke knew (laughs) when they kissed that they were brother and sister. And that's why, like, you know, like deep down, that's where I was. But on the outside, I was just like, I'm in a band. But deep down, it's always been this fat little doughboy of just like, I wonder what's going on with Star Wars right now. But let me ask you this, though. That's really interesting you say that. One, that's why I didn't know that you loved comic books, because we were too busy trying to love punk rock. But two, did you like any of that stuff? Like, did you enjoy, like, playing in a band? Did you oh, enjoy rap? I like playing you... music with people 100%. Okay. Going to the meat locker? Yeah. Fuck that noise. Yeah, sure. As the drummer, yeah. fuck that noise twice. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine, as, I mean, the place was called the Meat Locker, people. 
and it was named so because it used to be a meat locker. It used to be a meat locker. And the only other the stairs. There's what? Say that again. Sorry, there was two sets of stairs. Yeah. And imagine carrying a bass drum down there. That's and then right. imagine carrying it out because every person after you is going to be the best thing anybody's ever seen. And they can't give you a motherfucking second. Like, I remember fully every, every single time of the drummer after me or before me just going, sorry, dude, I'm going to get out of the way. Sorry, sorry. And I was just standing there like, you got it. Like, yeah. this part sucks. Just don't just go ahead. And never was that ever done for me at that place. And that place sucked a dick. So to answer your question, I love playing music with people. I didn't enjoy some venues or it's like, hey, we're going 95 minutes away to play this backyard. Like, why? <laughs> because other punk rock, that's what punk rock peoples do. And it's just like, yeah, I'm punk rock. Yeah, is what I was saying. And on the inside, I was like, I don't want to drive 90. This is fucking stupid. But in, in defense of the 95 minute drives, we had some fun because it was usually the two of us. And I will say I wasn't in the cover up, but. The cover-ups were probably more fun. Well, did you have more fun in the cover-ups or the squid? The squid. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like I had gotten better at drumming. You Well, you actually had... I don't want to say you actually knew how to play drums because you knew how to play drums in the cover-ups, but they literally just gave you a drum set and said, okay, now you're a drummer. You're the drummer of this band. And I went, okay, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, when <laughs> I think back or look back or listen back, I should say, it's it's bad news bears. And when I look back on the further ones, I'm not saying, oh, my God, you're, you're going to hear a ama- It didn't get much better, but I was at least more comfortable because good, really the cover ups were just a fucking it was a long three year practice of learning how to yeah. practice to be in and function in a band. Yeah. And then after that, like, it, you know, you obviously know more than ever the entire story. So there were good times and bad times of just like, man. But, yeah, the feeling of playing a show and doing it well to people who like it there is nothing like that even if it's yeah. 15 people who are like dude you just did 20 minutes of something i really enjoyed thank you and you're like thank you that was you're welcome i will do that again if i can the squid especially i feel like the squid had a couple of really strong like basement shows that were ultimately meaningless and there were only 15 people there but they loved it and you're like oh yeah this is a lot of fun when people are really into the shit you're doing and i also think we had i mean as any like lifelong essentially lifelong friendship has like we had kind of our peaks and valleys as friends like end of high school into college and stuff because we were both trying to figure out what the fuck it was that we were doing with ourselves and like navigating adulthood and i feel like the squid was kind of like our de facto lifeline because we still had that thing that we were bonded to and as soon as you went to disney for that semester which felt like years and Mames Jerfy took over as the drummer temporarily. Nothing against Mames. Good guy. Really good guy. R.I.P. Um, he, did you, yeah, yeah. Wow. Fuck. Yeah. R.I.P. Mames. Last year. Yeah. Last year. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. That's crazy. Because yeah. I didn't really know him. Like you said, I, he replaced me. And then when he came back, he, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really like them because I was like, stay away from that. That's my chair. <laughs> yeah, that's I sit right. behind those guys and hit the stuff with the sticks. You don't do that for them. I do. Yeah, so I, I did give him a hard time of not liking him. And now that he's dead, I'm just like, Ugh. but also, again, fuck you. I was 19. What do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I needed you in that band. As soon as you were gone, I was like, I fucking hate every second of this. <laughs> I, I want my friend back. <laughs> and uh, you basically 
left slash got kicked out the same time I did too. We both kind of were removed. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden Which, they were like, "Oh yeah, this guy's going to do this," and I was like, "Okay," and they're like, "And then he's just going to keep doing it." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> And and yeah. and as I'm speaking about this, and we could talk about the full reason off mic, I deserved it. I'm not well, going to sit here and be like, I did not see that coming. Because when I look back at the full thing again with full 2020, I was like, they did the right thing. I would have done the same motherfucking thing. Yeah. But yeah, the way they broke it to me was like, oh, you can't play that show. This guy's going to do. And I said, okay. And and then he'll do all the other ones. <laughs> I was just like, okay. <laughs> it wasn't a bad was, way to get kicked out. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I was at a Mets game with my brother and it was like the last pitch and everybody was on their feet and everybody was cheering as I was taking out my phone. And I had a text that was like, Hey, we're going to move on without you in the band. <laughs> and was, it was this moment where everyone around me was celebrating. And I was just like, huh, I just got kicked out of my band. <laughs> but a hundred percent, the last practice I went to before I got that text message, the, they were going over a couple of new songs that my parts were really, really small. And at one point I learned it really quickly and I like threw the lyrics up in the air and sat down and was like, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I would kick me out too. I was being a dick. That was a lot there, guys. I hope you enjoyed us just kind of catching up. We had a lot of silly stories. We have a fuck ton of silly stories. If it, if this was a documentary and it was the Snyder cut, four hours still wouldn't allow us to talk about all the silliness in which we can about walking around our hometown, getting to know each other, and just being friends for 20 fucking plus years now. Can I also, before we move on to Mystery Men, the grand finale, um, I wanted to tell you, and this is a, a sneak a sneak peek, if you will, but just verbally, I have nothing to show you. One of my projects last year in the pandemic was to find all the old cover-ups tapes when I would used to film and get them converted to digital. I've successfully done it, and the next step is cutting a cover-ups documentary. Whoa. I'm going to do it. It's. I started watching the footage. Most of it's absolute garbage because <laughs> I'm constantly moving the camera around. I'm talking. I'm not a good cameraman by any stretch, but I'm working on maybe six or seven minutes, maybe 10 minutes of like a compilation of a lot of things. So we'll have to talk about that later. Yes, please. I would love every single second of that. We are, though, going to close this section out and we're going to form some sort of finale, like we were saying, the grand finale, all around a superhero movie that's not really about superheroes, but was so ahead of its time and super awesome, called Mystery Men, that came out in 1999. It stars Hank Azaria, Janine Garofalo, William H. Macy, Kel Mitchell, Paul Rubens, Ben Stiller, Greg Kinnear is in there as well, Jeffrey Rush. That's a strong 90s cast right there. I did say in the beginning, there was a connection to some comics and it kind of got convoluted. You could tell that a lot of the source material wasn't really put into it. We're gonna stay away from that. We are just going to deal about this movie. A little kind of IMDB summary. A group of inept amateur superheroes must try to save the day when a supervillain threatens to destroy a major superhero and the city. This was directed by Kinka Usher. There's a person whose name is Kinka. <laughs> he has got five directing credits. The first two are commercials, shorts for cars, and then he did Mystery Men, and then he went back and did two shorts for cars, and I found out through, uh, you know, just quote-unquote internet research that on the set of Mystery Men, he said, fuck this. I'm never going to do this shit again. I can't wait to make more commercials. And then you look yeah. at his track record. It took him like seven years to recover. And then he went back to making car commercials. And I was like, 
All right, there you go, Kinka. I'm glad you got you know, your shit out. Speaking of the 90s, too, do you remember Got Milk? The ads for, like, Got Milk? Oh, yeah, yeah, He directed all of those. That was his thing. That's how he got Mystery Men, is that he was doing the Got Milk ads, and everybody loved them. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It's so interesting, because this guy who directed it, this is the only movie he ever directed, like you said, and the guy who wrote it, he only wrote two or three other movies, and they weren't very good. Well... Adventures of Pluto and Ash isn't good. I think he did another movie that's actually pretty good that I don't. Maybe Adventures in Babysitting or Mermaids. I think Hocus he did a movie. Pocus. Pocus Pocus. That's it. Not Mermaids. Hocus Pocus. Which is like good. That's like a classic. But this movie is so interesting because it bombed at the box office, so they say. But the cast is fantastic. The cast is really, really wonderful. And everybody plays their parts really well. And there's also like the cast is so deep in this movie that like all the people you mentioned are fabulous but then also um eddie izzard is in it and he's fantastic as one of the disco boys and tom waits is in it and tom waits is one of my favorite musicians and also an excellent actor and he's the old man who develops all of the different uh, like weapons heller heller yeah and also totally uncredited and only exciting for me uh, in the very first scene of the movie where they try to break up the the old folks home like thing that's happening. The red eye gang in the, red eyes. the old folks home. Yes. The leader of the red eyes gang is Artie Lang, but uncredited. He's just there. Fantastic. Why should I know that name? I'm sorry. Did you ever see Dirty Work? Did I ever make you watch the movie Dirty Work? You did, Norm but fuck Norm MacDonald. There's only one joke that's funny in it, and Norm MacDonald <laughs> has nothing to do with it. It's at the very beginning where the, he puts glue on his ass because the crossing <laughs> guard is a pedophile. So he's going to catch it. The little kid, the young version, Norm MacDonald. And all I remember from that movie is so the pedophile goes to smack him on the butt as he crosses the street and his hand gets caught. And the young Norm MacDonald's like, he's touching my ass. He's touching my ass. Look, everybody, there's an adult and he's touching my ass. Well, do you remember his his big best friend, that big like fat guy? Yeah. That's Artie Lang. Artie Lang was on the first season of Mad TV. He was on Howard Stern for a long time. I worked with him once on a thing. And he's a really nice guy. And I was like, I loved you in Dirty Work. And he was like, you're the only one. Which <laughs> was very funny. But yeah, 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 yeah. I almost got arrested working with him. And uh, that's the story for another day, I guess. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, there he is. Artie Lang has Big Red. Oh, yeah. I feel like I know his face from something else, though. Yeah, probably. There's something else, I'm sure. He's been in a bunch of stuff. If anybody out there has seen Elf, he's, he's the Santa Claus that sits on the throne of lies. <laughs> that's how go. I would know his face. Boom. But... Like you said, he's been in his credits. Do you know how many he has? He has 37. 37? Uh-huh. <laughs> the other guy who I wanted to talk of, but I can't actually find him in this uh, IMDb cast, is Captain Amazing's publicist. Oh, yeah. Is So he says it, and it's meant for this specific actor to be said at the beginning, or yeah, very at the beginning, after he takes out all the old folks. The publicist says, I'm a publicist, not a magician. But indeed... That guy is like a really world-famous magician. If I'm not mistaken, in my stupid knowledge of knowing stuff, if you've ever seen the movie with Eisenberg and he's a magician, now you see me. Oh, okay. I know of it. haven't seen it. It opens up with just hands fucking around with cards, like really cool, like cutting the deck. Like he has two decks and they're cutting and they're moving all around. I think those are his hands as well. Like that's how good of a magician and that's how long he's been doing it. But He's a super famous magician. Anybody out there who's listening, 
Do you know his name? Drop it. I'll figure it out later. But for right now, I do want to leave that as an open-ended, hey, jump into this conversation in the comments below or Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, all those fun things that I usually kind of got to drop at least once in every episode. You got to be a little bit of a whore every now and then. So really, if you haven't seen the movie, Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, and Hank Azaria are a group, are the group of aforementioned ragtag superheroes, almost wannabe. And this Captain Amazing, who is played by Greg Kinnear, is like the superhero. To you, did he have superpowers or was like, because when we see him beat up these red eyes, he kicks a motherfucker and they go flying. We just talked about that last episode, like somebody had super serum soldier, super soldier serum in them. And that's why they were able to do it. But do you think like he had a bunch of metallic plating? Did you in this very non let's not get too real worldy movie? Do you think that it was something like that? Or do you think that he was chemically enhanced? I think it's the suit. I think it was the suit uh, the whole way. Um, he you kind of see later on, you know, when he gets captured that he's like pretty much a human in a fancy suit. That's kind of my takeaway is that he's kind of a douchebag in a fancy suit, which like Greg Kinnear, perfect for that role fantastic he looks like an asshole he was very popular at that time period really good at playing an asshole so yeah i think it was the suit i don't know how much acting there was because i heard that he and ben stiller got almost into the fisticuffs really yeah that they were at one point had to be like hey why don't you guys go fuck off into different corners or something like that because of that but i did also hear and maybe you know kind of to give back a little bit to mr kinka that the entire thing was hard because you got to think too you've got one two three four five six seven actors in the main quote-unquote mystery men all comedians all trying to make comedy all with different styles so apparently the way like they would all give each other what are called tape or script reads or something like that, where it's like, no, don't say it like this, say it like that. And, oh, yeah. I think your timing's and just That's everybody's ego and seven people yeah. of like hardcore comedians who in 1999, all of them were on fucking fire. I mean, they were all in their own categories, the biggest of their time. So yeah. I, I feel bad for Kinko. Apparently it wasn't too easy, but Greg Kinnear and yeah. Ben Stiller getting into it was the worst from, again... <sighs> The internet. I don't. I wasn't fucking there. I just want to make sure everybody knows I was nine years old and I was not on set. So if I say <laughs> something, it's because I read it on the internet and I think it's true. What I what I read on the internet is that yeah, it, it was supposed to be like a quick, fun shoot, and then it ended up being like six months, and they shot for a long time. And what I had read, at least what Ben Stiller had said, is that they kept reworking the script as they were shooting. So like they would do a lot of takes. A lot of improvising and like, especially with Ben Stiller, because Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo really knew each other and they were really good friends. And Janine Garofalo had to convince Ben Stiller to do this movie. And um, yeah, so I think there, there was a lot of, which is one of the reasons why it took so long is that they just, in, in addition to like line reads, there was also a lot of improvising and a lot of trying different things and experimenting with just different like moods and different uh, overall like tones throughout the different scenes and stuff. In my opinion, and I'll ask you, obviously, you don't read any of that. I do firmly remember not seeing this in theater, but I do remember blockbustering it. And then I do remember this was one of the first ones that I owned because I was totally allowed to at nine years old own this. I think it still comes in a PG-13. 
yes, PG-13, so that was totally okay for me. And it was like, it's light PG-13. Even watching it now, the idea of death is in it. Like, he blows up an asylum, and we know people were in it. But, you know, fake violence, fake, you know, we're talking about these three guys are interrupting a quote-unquote heist by this gang called the Red Eyes. There's punches thrown, but there's no cuts. There's no, like, the closest that we ever see to that is they get their asses really beat. Like, these three guys then tried, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. They try to infiltrate the bad guy's lair and like 12 guys who are armed with pistols, pipes, chains all beat up on them. And the most we get gore wise is they, they all have haha funny wadded up tissues of <laughs> with a little bit of red at the end. You know, no bruises, yeah. nobody's limping. So in terms of violence, I can't see why this wasn't. But I've known this movie now for since 1999. And I'm like, this held up. I watched it today and I was like, this is fucking funny. It's a good time. And like, it's funny that you say that, too, is because they go so far as to not have anyone die that the weapons manufacturer they go to makes non-lethal weapons. Like, he, her, oh, a tornado in a can and the blame gun and different things like that. Blame thrower. I love blame that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's super duper fun and light. So I didn't see any production kind of like... You know, I guess you never do because they're actors. So they're trying to pretend like they don't not like each other or anything like that. But as much turmoil went in, I don't read any of that. They still seem to get along. The funny part to me is now all of a sudden Pee Wee Herman's in it. As a kid in 1999, like I knew Pee Wee Herman, didn't know Paul Rubens. So even being a Batman Returns fan, I didn't ever. Yeah, he's in Batman Returns. He's the Penguin's father at the very beginning. Only for about this much. Good for him. Because you have to know he knows Tim Burton because Tim Burton did Pee Wee's first movie. So, of course, he fucking gets him in on everything that he does and shit. Uh, When he shows up at the the spleen, I never put that together. And I was like, that's as an adult now watching this. I'm like, this is fucking funny. Paul Rubens. I I still think, I mean, look, I'm a man child. So I still think farts are hilarious. But the spleen's actual farts are okay but there's that scene where they attack the limo that jeffrey Rush is in <laughs> and he farts in jeffrey rush's face and jeffrey rush's reaction Cassidy <laughs> never Frankenstein, too good <laughs> he's just so dissatisfied like, Ooh. oh he's too fancy to outright being gall but he's also <laughs> yes that's the best way to put it i'm dissatisfied no <laughs> That's another yeah. great point that we could kind of dive into here of the fact that super silly movie, super really amazing villain. A, the best name I've ever heard, Casanova Frankenstein. Just beautiful. And we open up with, we're talking about Captain Amazing being out of villains. So more or less, anybody who's listening, not paying or following along, if you will, the Bruce Wayne to Captain Amazing's Batman is like, we should let this guy out because he, he's, he's going to be a good guy for society <laughs> with the other motion of letting him out so his alter ego could have somebody to duke it out with. And Jeffrey Rush gets to play this character and it's it's the best. He's so good at being bad. And like you said, just really fancy. And yeah, when he gets farted on, that's like, I guess I'm a man child too because it's still fucking funny <laughs> yeah. to me. Because the effect they make for Paul Rubens is some sort of air gun that they put in there. And he wears a long flowing. Not only does he wear a fringed shirt, which has a bunch of fringe that goes below his waistline. He's also got a giant coat that flows. So when he farts, they put in an air gun to literally make those things pop up. So you could see them exiting his cavity. And it's a gag that still works with me to this day. Exiting his cavity. (laughs) (laughs) 
a few years ago, my mom called me and she it was when the King's Speech came out. And she was like, have you seen the King's Speech? You got to see the King's Speech. And I was like, who's in it? And she was like, oh, Jeffrey Rush is in it. I was like, Cassie Nova Frankenstein. <laughs> He's in that movie. And she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, mom, you got to watch Mystery Man. I'll watch King's Speech if you watch Mystery Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a great actor that he was able to pull off both. That's so funny. Really he is out and about and he catches Captain Amazing and now this trio has to start gathering more people and they have this tryout almost and that's where we do pick up Janine Garofalo. I yeah. think that we found Kel Mitchell who I'm happy to say I met one time. What? Yeah dude he, there was a con around here and I went there and he was there and I gave him $50 to take a photo with him and he did. <laughs> Because that's how much people charge to take photos. But he also, like, talked to us. My yeah. wife was there. So, like, I thought I had to pay $50 for my photo. And he was like, does she want to take the photo with us? And I was like, do I have to give you more money? <laughs> He's like, no, she can come and take a photo with us. And I was like, okay. So his, quote, unquote, publicist or handler for the day was like, I'll take the photo. And came out. He's like, is that is that all you need? Is well, like, what's up? How you guys doing? And, like, tried to, in my opinion get his money's worth because a fucking photo yeah. for fifty dollars seemed crazy so he did talk yeah. to us for a very minuscule amount of time but i also feel like if i sat there and i was like so how was mystery men and then he oh, talked yeah. i was like he would just i feel like he would go because whatever day we went it was not busy the kel mitchell line was not out the door but side note to this people still bring him orange soda apparently he never goes to a place without getting an orange soda can you imagine <laughs> What it like? I was gonna ask you, what would be your superpower if you could pick? Not a real one. It's got to be like something from Mystery Men. And I answered it myself in that question of like, I don't care where I'm going as long as there's an orange soda when I show up. Like that's my superpower. Right. right. I just sit down to a desk and it's like, where'd that orange soda come from? It's like I don't ask. They just show up. (laughs) Interesting. So I, I I couldn't pick. I'm not picking from the list of superpowers. In Mystery Men, I would need my own Mystery Men style superpower. Yes, your own style. So you don't have to go for like super speed or anything like that. But like I was talking about, we meet in this casting of trying to get more Mystery Men. Dane Cook, he's dressed up Dane as Cook. the Waffler. The Waffler. What is he, something golden crispy? Bad guys are history. Yes, and I used to do that a lot when I eat waffles. He goes into a falsetto of Waffle Man! (laughs) Bad guys are history! Golden Crispy! (laughs) Yeah! And then I'm running. I've done that for a lot of people. The other great comic book reference that I could drop in there is the next guy, Pencilhead. Pencilhead, right, yeah. But if you look at his monogram, it's PM. He's supposed to be Pencil Man. And even his monogram... Oh, he said Pencilhead or Eraserhead or something. Eraserhead, yeah. No, I think it's Pencilhead. I think it's Pencilhead. I think you're right. I think it's Pencilhead. But on his thing, it's PM. But that actor is Doug Jones. No one other than Doug Jones. And you're like, who's Doug Jones? If you've seen a guy in makeup, you've seen Doug Jones. Do you like The Shape of Water? Yeah, sure. He's that guy. guy in The Shape of Water. Do you like Hellboy? Yeah. guy in Hellboy. (laughs) Do you like Guillermo del Toro Pan Labyrinth? Goatman in that movie. Yeah. Dude, if you've seen a man in makeup, I guarantee... I'm not guaranteed, because... Yeah. But there's a two out of three chance that it's motherfucking Doug E. Jones. Oh, that's really, that's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. I think if I had to like choose a superpower, I would do like a, I can talk someone into submission, you know, like someone's coming at me and I just start talking to them and they just pass out because they're 
bored or something. Like I talk so quickly, I engage them so much that they come under some kind of trance. And then they're like, what was I doing? And I was like, oh, you were just telling me to have a nice day. And then they walk away and they leave. That's how I beat them with my words. I would love that. I was walking my dogs just to kind of side story off what you just said. And this asshole let his dog out of his front door and he didn't have him. And the dog came out and like came towards us and it wasn't threatening. This dog is old as fuck, but I've got two dogs and I'm just me and I'm made out of pudding. So I'm not really going to be able to hold them back for that long as much as just act as a really heavy counterweight. But eventually that will give in. Like there is going to be a time where these between the two of them over 120, 30 pounds of pit bull is going to do something. And this guy didn't say sorry. This guy didn't say anything. The only thing he did was fucking embarrass the dog. He was like, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like he was putting out the dog rather than looking at me, the human being like, Hey, that was my fault. Maybe I should have looked before I opened the door. He yeah. acted like it was the dog's fault. Like you shouldn't have done that. Should not have jumped out. No, no. And that was it. So to have your power then of like, I wanted to confront him, but I don't again, made out of pudding. If it went physical, like, what am I going to do? Why did I start shit that I can't finish? But if I could finish it with words of like, I'll make you say, sorry, that is a good power. Yeah, I feel like, too, it's like I'd like to know absurd facts, you know, like if someone's pointing a gun at me and they're like, say goodnight. And I was like, the word goodnight was created in 1564. And the first person who ever said it was. And they're like, shut up, shut up. And I'm like, hi, shut up. Very interesting term, my friend. That one I like better. Yeah, Yeah. that one I like better. I think that's yeah. if I was going to write something, that would be stop it. I can't take all these facts. And then their mind blows. Yeah, I know where your pressure point was because pressure points were first discovered. Yeah. Get this guy away from me. He just blows yeah. out his own brain. He just shoots himself. He's like, fuck it. I got to get out of this. Mission accomplished. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I can't think of a different one. I really do enjoy the fact of like wherever I'd show up, there'd just be a frosty beverage. Like what more yeah. do you need? But I in like a situation like this, a what the beverage. fuck would you do with it? Well, you know, it's like if you're in a, a tense situation and it could be any beverage that just shows up. Some guy's coming at you. Close your eyes. Hot coffee in your hand. Hot coffee in the face. That's good. Would then like, can I have a magic cup that just fills up with whatever I want then? That's so fun. Yeah, that's All really right. good. A guy like is coming at you and you don't have time to react. Slip me the oil. Throw the oil on the ground. He slips on the oil. I was just about to ask you, can it be, does it have to be, I think it'd be funnier if it was a beverage. It has to be a beverage. Like yeah, I can't do oil or like battery acid. And it's like, help, get us out. Pour battery acid. And it's like, I can make you a cup of coffee, but that's about all I got, guys. Do you, do you well, want can something it be to like... drink while we wait for real heroes to pop up? <laughs> I can do that shit. A coffee, coffee latte. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Boom. What about like, can it be any any edible liquid though? Can it be like syrup or molasses or can it yes. just be a drinkable beverage? Nope. I will take edible. It's got to be something that was meant to consume for us. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah, totally. Syrup. The viscosity level would then change because like if you have really runny pudding, is that what I'm talking about? Or like oatmeal? I don't know. But yes, right. syrup. That's pretty viscous. Yeah, that's good. Just make everybody sticky. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, hey, Morty, grab that guy. And it's like, oh, he's sticky. He poured syrup all over himself. I don't want to touch him. <laughs> it's like, all right, just just make him sit down in the corner. And, Ha-ha! Again, I am not tied up because I was sticky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are both great, wonderful, dumb powers. And I bet we'd get on the team better than them because the only person they find in this tryout is Janine Garofalo. But she actually has some sort of ass-kicking ability. The bowler. 
the bowler gets to throw that ball around. And we also pick up the Sphinx, who I, I think he's got superpowers, right? He cuts those guns in half at some yeah, point. Yeah, I guess so. He's just really good at something. Yeah. Talking. Talking. He's good at being Zen. He's good at letting, helping other superheroes find their inner superhero is what it feels like, you know? And that's why I love this movie so much. Because realistically, if you put together all of the mystery men, they're all a part of who we are as people, you know? Like, we all get angry, but he's trying to use it to his advantage, you know? We all have one skill that we're really good at that's totally meaningless, like the shoveler. I shovel, and I shovel well. (laughs) Yeah. And also, shout out to mystery men, interracial marriage ahead of its time in film. Good job. And also... Shout out to the casting because William H. Macy is so perfect in the shoveler role as just like this guy who takes himself very seriously, but also understands that what he's doing is completely absurd. He like treads that line very, very nicely. And I, and I love that. But yeah, I think all of them, like Jenny Garofalo is seeking revenge. Um, and we all like, there's always, we feel like we've been wronged by someone somewhere along the line and it motivates us to go out and do whatever we have to do. And, the spleen, okay, fine, yeah, we don't, we all fart, we all have gas, you know, but also, like, we all have this, like, embarrassing thing that we have to deal with, you know, so that's a part of it, and then the blue raja is just kind of the blue raja, you know, we all, we all are kooky and weird and pretending to be something that we're not, and then Kel, we we've all, all been passed over, we've all been exactly. overlooked, we all know what that feels like. Exactly, exactly, that's perfect, yeah, so, that's one of the reasons why I like this movie so much. And like, I know we talked like off mic prior to about my, uh, I don't know if we, if I said, if I use the term my love, but I do have a love for like offbeat superhero movies like this, because it's going back to what we had talked about originally about like, I brought like films into the picture. Like, so my like popcorn flicks kind of, I've never been very into the popcorn flick, whether it is a Lord of the Rings or a, you know, a Justice League or a superhero, whatever, you know, I've never really been super into it. But if you combine both of those worlds for me, like I think Mystery Men does, I'm in. I'm super in. That's why I think this movie still like sticks with me the way it does, because I'm, I'm such a fan of um, like just the combining of those worlds. The sets... Like the house that William H. Macy lives in is so like 1950s, like kind of idyllic, like leave it to beaver style. He drives this like ridiculous, like old, like Studebaker, like what's the word on the station wagon, you know? It's just such, it's all these little touches that I love so much that add to the story without you even realizing that it does. So it really makes me enjoy the movie. And because of stuff of what you just said, I really do have to shout out to the set designers and everybody about that because it is timeless in the fact that when you look at certain costumes, you can be in the 30s or 40s. Like if you look at the uh, when Captain Amazing's coming out to and go to his limo, he's surrounded by press. And like the lady in that is dressed like a 40s fucking reporter and almost writing stuff down. You know, it doesn't even have stuff like that. And like you said, the Studebaker is really fucking old. So this movie look-wise, can take anywhere between the 40s and 9th from where it is and kind of fit in all of those. So when you watch it, you're not like, this is super fucking dated because it's kind of got everything throughout. So even standing up to this superhero genre and standing up to everything like we talked about, combining them, all this time later, as I watched it, I was like, this is still very good. And anybody who wants to watch it, if I'm not mistaken, they have till the end of April on Netflix. Is that true? Yes, I felt, you know, you know me, we talked about it. I fucking opened the binders, went all the way to the M section, put in my DVD and got it all ready. And I was like, yay, watching a movie. 
got done with it. And I was like, what now? Turned on Netflix. I swear to God, it was like the second or third title. And it's like, no, I'm leaving. Catch it before it leaves in April. And I was like, fuck me. <laughs> Not that it was hard to take out the DVD. It was just, it's yeah. just weird. Like well, every time I swear, I really do feel like I have a weird hidden Nelson box in my house or Nielsen. Cause I'll talk about a movie and all of a sudden it's just there. And it's like Grease 2. Nobody likes that movie. <laughs> Nobody talks about Grease 2, but me and my wife. And now it's on Amazon. That's weird. Shooter McGavin's in that movie, isn't he? Grease 2? Yeah. Isn't, I think his yeah. name's Chris McDonald. He's Isn't Goose. He He's Goose. You're absolutely right. He is the Goose. Shooter McGavin. Shooter. Shooter. <laughs> Make pieces of shit like you for breakfast. Ooh, you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? <laughs> I really watched no. Happy Gilmore recently. Happy Gilmore holds up. It's still a good time. So on a scale of one to 10, or usually what we do here is uh, what I call school grades, because I don't know what to call it other than that. It goes from an A to an F system. Where are you going to land everybody for the mystery men? I give it a solid B. I think it's a, it's a solid B to, to B. It's like, you know, when you get like a B is like an 85, 86, 87 to like 89 is a B plus. It's like an 87. So it's like just on the, the, the verge of a B plus. Um, I don't know if there's any drawbacks to it necessarily. The only knock is that it's not like a masterful cinematic work of art necessarily, but it's a good time. Uh, it kind of flies by. I think it's for someone who's never seen it and is maybe younger than us, they might miss the like kind of nineties kitsch of it. Uh, but if you're our age or older, check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Greg Kinnear does a great job. Every it's so nineties and it's so, it's nostalgic. It's a good time. It's a B. It's a BB plus. And I would you? put it right there at a 90. Sorry to cut you off there. And I will say that I 100% give a few of those points in which we're talking to the fact that I grew up on it. I love it. Yeah. And a big sleeper, some things a lot of people forget. It gave us Smash Mouth's All Star that year. Really? A lot of people want to think that it's fucking Shrek that launched that song. But if you go back and look at the All Star fucking music video, it's centered around this movie. And it's really funny because you could tell that they didn't get the actors back. So they get to use some footage from the movie, but they have also hired body doubles who are dressed from head to toe in the same kind of costumes. And right when you're going to see their face, it pans or it moves and you're just like, hmm. This is like Power Rangers when those other kids fucked off, but they didn't pay them yet. And now all of a sudden, all we see is the back of heads and weird overdubbing. It's exactly like that. But yeah, that's this movie was the one that actually had it. So when it ends, it does end with All Star. This this was the movie that gave us a song that I've been singing pretty proudly. I still that song still rocks for me. What are you? Yeah. Did, were you ever a Smash Math fan? I love that album. I love the album that that's on. There's honestly like the first five tracks, even without All Star fucking killer they're all really good i highly recommend going and listening to the, like the that album it's kind of sad it's kind of a bummer the album's kind of a bummer minus all-star but the music's really good so guys i would highly suggest going out finding some surge listening to smash mouth and watch some mystery men because you're gonna have a 90s fucking time man uh, it, yeah. it will be a fun night i guarantee if not you can come right back here to buds bros and superheroes be like nick you're stupid you're wrong and i didn't find surge anywhere I think Burger King had it for a little bit, but that was the last time I remember seeing it anywhere. Sarah, this has been a pleasure. It has been just absolutely way too much fun. Almost criminal fun, you know? This is the reason you start podcasts and you want to do stuff, because 
talking with people about some of the things you love the most with the people that you love the most is some of the greatest times that you ever have and this is absolutely no exception if not one of the highest points of the podcast having fun talking to you can't say thanks enough for making the time and coming and doing all this yeah i uh it's an honor and it's a privilege to be a part of this and i'm uh, i'm thrilled that it's been 20 years and i'm excited for the next 20 years as well that's beautiful man i love that it's beautiful man (laughs) there's no better way to close out than with something like that for this i have been nick james i have been roy lazarus thanks so much for checking out buds bros and superheroes if you can if you know somebody who likes buds bros or superheroes you've got a fucking show for them so just be a pal pass it along buds bros and superheroes is out of here